Uh, so today I'm joined by, um, we were talking about this before we started recording, uh, somebody I've known since he was uh, knee-high to a grasshopper in, uh, in career terms. Um, but the conversation we're going to have today came from something that we'd both, uh, uh, an article that we'd both seen on social media uh, regarding the use of bots uh, in the retail sector. Um, so today I'm joined by uh, Ian Finch, Amando Group. Hi Ian. Hello. How are you? Well? I'm very well, thanks. Good to see you again. It's, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a while, and uh, so we were talking about um, kind of uh, how Ian's business has started, and I'm in their magnificent new offices today, uh, and we're sat in the uh, curio, curio room. Uh, so, curious. Yes, uh, which is a fantastic thing, and we won't talk all day about uh, how wonderful your offices now look, uh, but they were probably kind of what I've expected. Um, but we're going to talk this uh, this idea of how um, we use, uh, how we're seeing this emergence of bot-type, chatbot-type technology uh, to help us to service this kind of... Um, information that we're gathering you know how we can use things like analytics and ai but make that something that uh, is is consumable and, and something that we can we as your know, average day-to-day user can use uh, before we do that Ian, why don't you um, introduce yourself give us a little bit about your background and tell us a little bit about the, the work you do at mando sure so um been with mando 20 years in september uh we're originally called webshed been we set up in Liverpool, uh, and this is still our HQ, but we do have a um, significant presence in, in London as well. Uh, o- over the years, we've done all sorts of digital development, um, but we've been refining our positioning, uh, uh, and we definitely get the most traction, and we feel our, our mission, if you like, is to make people's lives simpler. That primarily we execute out of in a B2B space, uh, using um, digital and enterprise-level technology, uh, and the kind of work we do um, typically is within telecoms or utilities, manufacturing and finance, uh, large-scale rollouts of, of systems where we're combining multiple portals into one uh, easy-to-use account or, or a multi-language website that used to replace a few. Quite often with companies that have gone through mergers and acquisitions background, they now need to simplify what's become very complex. Um, doesn't mean the execution is in any way uh, simple for us, but it's all about simplifying that user experience and making it um, your, your touch point of a brand uh, as, as useful and as quick and as easy as possible. Well, we were talking before actually about this idea of simplification. It's something that I've, I've talked about on, on this show before, that the idea that actually for an IT industry, that we need to be making sure we're simplifying the user experience. Um, and that kind of leads us, I suppose, to, to the topic we want to talk about today. So we, we'd seen this article about uh, the use of, of chatbots in retail. Uh, and one of your comments on, on the article uh, that we saw was that um, you're seeing that lots and lots of your work now is around that. So um, maybe, maybe as an introduction for, again, for people who maybe not quite sure what we, when we talk about this idea of bots, what, what we're talking about. Do you want to just give us a kind of an introduction to, to what that means, you know, what your view of what a bot is, maybe your definition of what a bot is? Sure. Yeah. So um, when, when we first started talking about bots, I was on the radio and then I was being interviewed and I think they thought it was kind of like a an iRobot, Will Smith kind of kind of thing. And so uh, let's explain what it's not. It, we're, we're not making Tesla cars. We're not, we haven't got um, robots running running out in the office. It, in what we're talking about in, in in what we do, chatbots, it's um, could be described as a conversational user interface. So what do we mean by that? So in, instead of navigating by a point and click kind of scenario on a website, uh, you could be in WhatsApp conversing with uh, a, a brand, a company, um, in a conversational way, like you would in a messaging app. And so 
typical use cases will be where you replace an FAQ, for example. So instead of navigating through a million clicks and a search and then navigating through an alphabet to get to your question you want to ask, you simply, where you are, ask that company a question. So it could be in Skype, WhatsApp, Facebook Live, uh, and, it, and it puts your touch point with that company in a conversational context wherever you are rather than having to go to their website and you make all the effort to find what you need all the effort's done for you and, and it surfaces where you are make, make it much more simple and easy to use so you've given a really good example before we started recording actually about um exhibition apps um and you know and we both um, have, have attended many an exhibition i'm, I'm at one tomorrow and we, we lamented the quality of uh, the apps that tend to come with that. Um, but I, I mean, maybe that's um, an interesting example again, you know, just maybe to put some context around it. So, you know, that, that you're talking about, about exhibition apps and how um, bot technology can maybe help to improve that experience. Sure. So uh, most people listening will, will, will have gone to an exhibition and for the most part, it will have probably been an annual exhibition and therefore the people putting it on will know they need to create a mobile app, um, but it's once a year. And and so they'll have built the app for that year. Um, if it was last year's one, it would probably be out of date technology-wise. Um, and so the use case to really, really optimize it, sort of business case, um, probably isn't there. And, and so what happens is you, in practice, you end up with a half-formed app that is nothing like what some of the, all the other apps on someone's phone. Uh, and so you have this uh, moment when you, you start using the app with this particular exhibition and then the problem is, is then people remember that exhibition app being rubbish. So you go, right, we'll do a better one next year. And then time moves on, <laughs> the budget's not there, it will never be used after these three days, uh, and so it goes on. So you think, well, okay, what what can we do that's di different, that's, that's better, more efficient, that gives a better experience, is more cost-effective to deliver and can be built upon in the future? Um, so it comes down to use case. So without wanting to go through hundreds of use cases and exhibition, what are the main ones you could say? Where is stuff? Um, when is stuff? <laughs> uh, I mean, I went to a Microsoft um, WPC a few times, I mean, sometimes you need 20 minutes in the queue to get into a room. So some kind of information about the queue time would be helpful. Or if it takes two miles to walk a conference centre, that's worth knowing. Um, uh, and then where can I get slides afterwards? Who can I connect with? Um, and so you think, well, actually, these are all questions. Uh, and so rather than a mobile app to try and develop every form of question some might have, what what if it's essentially an FAQ? Uh, and so rather than I have to do a conference app that's under par, then I find everyone and put them all in LinkedIn and try and keep the conversation there or wherever it is. What if I'm already in? WhatsApp or Facebook Live or something, and I, I simply ask the conference bot, when is this meeting? Where is it? Can I have a map of the, the auditorium or the arena or whatever it's at? Um, in your own natural language, and then the bot is just surfacing information you need, and it's linking out to maps, or it's answering you in situ, uh, and suddenly you take away the need to create something that will never be good enough by definition because it can't compete with Facebook that's updating every day or whatever. And also, you can because it's all algorithmic, 
it will self-improve depending on the number of times people ask the same question. It'll start surfacing content in different ways. And so you can con concentrate your, all your development time on training the bot uh, and, and creating the correct algorithms and very discrete use cases. Um, and your job becomes about configuring use cases and, and training the bot rather than custom developing something that's only got a very finite shelf life. So it, it's, again, you know, that, that talks a lot about um, the simplification of... Uh, that user experience and and is that so is that the thing that um you know without naming names you you're sharing some some stories from some of your customers earlier on about the way that they are starting to see um this kind of move away from development being around actually wanting to keep people on a website or keep people uh, keep people engaged is probably not quite the right phrase but you know almost making user experience longer than it might necessarily otherwise sure. want to be um are you seeing that as a big driver in this this idea of simplification better user experience absolutely absolutely and particularly in in what we do you know um there's some real success stories in office like unilad um or, or mashable if you go further north um but creating content that people just want to consume and you stay there and then go from one video to the next and you know, when, when you waste some time, uh, if, if that's not an unfair thing to say <laughs> on, on Facebook, great. When, when you go in to pay your telephone bill or your water bill, the last thing you want to do is have an immersive, all-consuming, sticky experience. You, you want to get in, do your thing, and get out again as possible. One of our utilities customers said, really, we don't want anyone on our site. Because in the worst case, there's, there's an emergency. We don't want emergencies. But if there are, they need to be served as quickly as possible. We know how to reroute the traffic. So get the alerts as quick as possible. Or people want to pay a bill. They don't want to have an immersive, all-encompassing, time-consuming experience paying your bill. You want to pay and get out. So we want our site to be slippy, not sticky, uh, which was a brilliant brief. Um, and we thought, well, actually, that applies to almost the entirety of our customer base, is that the kind of stuff we do it is is making things simpler uh, and you want your touch point to a, a business brand to be really useful you know the aspiration i think has to be much like google you don't search you google or ebay you don't auction you ebay um, and so what how can that usefulness that utility be a part of what we create as the overall brand experience for our customers so in B2B, it manifests itself in a number of ways. Um, one example for a telecoms company is they had uh, a portal for their intermediary network. And so the people who were provisioning handsets uh, were paid uh, mi fairly minimal wage, I'm not sure what the actual wage was, um, per hour, um, but then they were commissioned per, per provision. Uh, and that intermediary were getting paid for what they provided. And talk, talk, we're getting paid for what the intermediary ordered. Um, great, exactly how the model, the business model should work. Except this, to provision whatever it was, it was handsets or bandwidth or whatever, it was 25 minutes to go through the process. So the most you could get through is two and a bit an hour. And when you're getting commissioned per hour, that's, that's a big deal for the person at the actual keyboard. Um, so through good um, user experience design, we managed to reduce the whole form process down to five minutes. So 20% of the overall time taken. And the net result is end customers get the product quicker, the intermediary does more volume per day, the people actually doing the work get paid more, and the telecom company provide more. And the whole thing was basically just thinking through how can we make this simpler.
uh, through good design uh, and it's been a tremendous success story uh, and so the next level is okay how how much of this can we predict can we automate could it be a chatbot maybe not in that particular example but that, that thought process of how can we optimize this further and further and further uh, and that kind of conversion rate optimization or optimization we started out in retail you know shop direct and, and amazon and the like are absolute leaders in this field um, but that optimization mindset works so well for b2b where, where you're doing essentially transactions that aren't with a credit card you're still providing services <laughs> and, and getting paid one way or another and so it's and we think the biggest single thing that we can contribute in any of those scenarios is how can it be simpler <laughs> Yeah, and I think, again, you touched on some really interesting points there, and I think that idea about uh, predictability and automation of services is, again, something that we're seeing as a, a, as a real industry trend. And one thing that's actually I saw, and we, we, again, we touched on this a little bit earlier um, while I was getting a tour of the uh, magnificent Mando Castles that I'm in now, um, that um, the idea of... This is the idea of developing bots is not just about it's not a technology pinch phrase really much. It's not a technology fad. This is something that is actually taking uh, this idea of all this data that we create, all this data that we collect, and doing intelligent things with it. I mean, is, is that right? Is that kind of yeah. where we where we are? Hundred percent. So you, you'll know us from the web shed days when when we started out in '97. We changed it to Mando um, in part because we felt back in 2000 that it wouldn't necessarily be the web as we knew it and actually everything would be pervasive. Um, so we still make websites for browsers, so I'm slightly ahead of my time, <laughs> 17 years, but I still fundamentally believe that to be true. I think the idea that a, a person, a user, has to go to a device and load up a web browser and then find information that there's just something fundamentally wrong uh, about that when the doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be that way with modern technology what the, the end goal is that we we know our customers customers so well but when we create a system over time we, we can predict when they need what they need how they need it and push what's relevant to them wherever they are so logistics firm um, you know, Google Plus, for example, kind of died, didn't it? But, but the technology behind it went into the Google operating system. So, so anyone on um, on Android has a, a personalization engine in their pocket. Uh, and so, when when we're creating a taxi booking system, okay, well, I've got a map. I know this user. I know what they're interested in. I know when their next meeting is. Who they're meeting. Um, I should be able to go, right, you don't want this route. I should be able to auto-route at 9 o'clock a different journey for that taxi than at 11 o'clock because the roads will be different. Um, at, at night, they'll, oh, I don't know, pushing things now, but arguably a safer route home. Uh, or, or, you know, in, in high weather or conditions, go a different route. So I should be able to know based on time, location, who they are and what they're doing, create an experience that doesn't really require them to do anything other than say, yes, that's great, or yes, but I'd like to change this. And then further down the line, they wouldn't even have to do that because you, you've built up such trust in the experience and therefore the brand equity is associated with it. Um, 
that the whole thing should never involve a browser. <laughs> Eventually, you might have to start there because you've got to start with a login somewhere, but even then, maybe you'd be able to do that via the conversation you are in the future. Um, but to get to know the customer so well, you're predicting what they need when they need. For me, that that's the vision for us with, with AI. Um, and yeah, to stress the point, it's not about robot cyborgs <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, you know, and, and taking away jobs and all those big headlines. You know, I was talking to the, uh, the head of digital with um, a fast food restaurant and they said, we've invested massively in self-serve uh, and AI uh, and we've got farms and farms of data crunching because, you know, all our transactions are three, four pounds. And we still keep employing more people. Our headcount isn't going down, it's going up. Mm. It's just the people employing, admittedly, got a slightly different skill set. But that's an opportunity as well as something that you consider anthropologically as well. Uh, and so I think there's, there's so much benefit in, in reducing the amount of time it takes to do something, thereby freeing you up to be even more productive or do something else. Um, that's the excitement. That, that's what's going to keep me interested for another twenty years. I think. Yeah, I think you know. I think there's there's so much in that, isn't there? The idea that actually it's this, like I said, it's not about replacing things. It's being able to do things smarter. We've got all of this information, and it's interesting you're talking about the idea of you know we've got these kind of we all carry these little mini computing devices around us. Actually, quite big computing devices ultimately. And we were we talked before about there's been a news item on here in the UK uh, this morning about uh, government now being encouraged to change some of the education that they give so that people now start to understand what we mean by machine learning, what we mean by AI, what we mean by data analytics, because of all the things that we've talked about, you know, and they were talking about this, not as from a, um, as you touched on before, this is a business to business conversation, not about make, you know, doing nice things for consumers at fast food restaurants, but actually looking at how businesses can take advantage of this stuff. And, and do you see, uh, maybe maybe is there something as we, as we kind of come to the end of our time here, um, and I know we could, because uh, we probably, we, we, we chatted for half an hour before we did this um, <laughs> about some of this, um, and we could probably do this, and we might, if Ian is agreeable to it, might come back and do this again. Sounds great. Um, um, is, is there some things that, if I'm a business person listening to this, is there some things that I could be looking at in my business that um, would, would that would encourage you to maybe say to me, you could have a look at a different way of interfacing your information out to your users. And whether it's a bot or not is, is, is maybe not here, but, but these are some things that I could be looking at and saying, well, actually, these would, be, these would be good things that you do in your organization today where actually we could be simplifying that um, or we could be developing a different interface for your customers, for your users, for your employees, perhaps. Yeah, uh, and so obvious examples are always included. Anything that's currently... Um, Manual or paper-based, there is literally no need. <laughs> uh, point, an obvious point of first. Um, I think, secondly, we see a lot of businesses, uh, again, from that kind of legacy background, um, where you've been around a while, you've done different systems at different times, and we still see a lot of businesses where their customers have to do go to two or three, in one case, 14 separate places to achieve, <laughs> to, to, to achieve a transaction. Uh, shaking uh, of heads never works on a podcast, <laughs> but I am shaking my head at 14. And and it's crazy, but it happens, you know, uh, and business is, it's not, it's not wrong that that happens at a moment in time because they've been really successful. We've bought five different companies over the last 10 years and um, you have to 
do one thing at a time and everyone's got priorities but you know I, I, I go around the world and then struggle to use an ATM or don't understand the booking app or banging my head on a hotel desk or and going another bad experience another day unemployed more <laughs> you know and so everywhere you look once you got eyes to see it, it's a handle that goes the wrong way it's a, it's a sign on a toilet door it's a little bit ambiguous you know it's, it's just but there's poor experiences that are just through a lack of forethought everywhere uh, and I think I'd encourage anyone to go um, all right forget technology what is our customer experience so we were talking about um, our office earlier and I, and I mentioned it in our previous office uh, from a customer experience perspective finding us was a trial because the road wasn't particularly in uh, well, well described in Google, um, and then where our actual office was located in the building, um, there was that room with, with five doors and no natural light and no signs anywhere, and, and, a, and a kitchen door that opened out in, into a passerby's face before he got to our office. You go, this is a terrible experience, and nothing to do with digital, but sometimes you. I go, you just got to fix the basics. So you know, when when we moved office, I wanted to fix the physical experience. Um, We've been upgrading all our tooling so we can have a better action app for our customers in one single location with reduce email, have version control and documents and um, fairly obvious stuff. But again, we suffer the same legacy everyone else does, but you're at different times and different seasons, you do different things. And then, you know, I feel like we're a 20 year old startup. We've got loads of energy, but you look at our legacy kit, you're like, oh man, but we have priorities too. And so um, there's always someone that can be improved. And so the last couple of years, we've, we've done an end to end Replatform, and now we're looking at discrete use cases. And so, in my very long-winded answer to your point, I think it's <clears throat> looking at the customer journeys and where are the real unhappy paths, <laughs> you know, and, and maybe get that re-baseline upper level. <clears throat> and then, you know, if it was a matrix, as I'm picturing this diagram of digital strategy in my head, you've got the unhappy path and the real big ticket items, and then you've got the delighters and the quick wins. It's just do because you can, you know, it aren't going to cost anything. Uh, and over time, you, you can improve your customer experience incrementally, um, physically, digitally, uh, in the way you're you're having conversations. And of course, if your receptionist is having the same conversation over and over again, you can train a chatbot to do that. Mm. <laughs> uh, and so I think there's always an opportunity in an experience, whether it's physical, digital, for there'll be something that's repetitive or annoying or laborious or long-winded that just kind of detracts from your brand ever so slightly. And and I think, you know, these things aren't overnight, but, but most of us could have a two to three year plan where we just incrementally improve and, and you can do a cost benefit and a return investments analysis at every point and make sure you keep doing what you need to do, which is where the insight and the data analytics comes so handy. You, you touched on there, and actually, it's Alex. I don't want people to think about everything you've just said there. Um, you know, when talking about things like customer experience and people assuming this is some kind of marketing thing. I thought the example you gave earlier on, actually, about the telecoms company and their provisioning of devices. That's a proper business benefit, isn't it? You know, if you well, if you can take from I'm provisioning two and a half things an hour to I'm provisioning fifteen or twenty things an hour. I mean, that's hugely beneficial, it's service beneficial, it's cash flow beneficial. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, another wonderful example I've got is, is a, um, uh, a company, I'm trying to, how do I describe them without saying who they are? Okay, they make engines. 
for for uh, for planes, and um, there was a, a paper system. So the engineer um, covered in grease and oil and gloves and whatever, writing on a, on a piece of paper or how his engineers, you know, and then. Uh, it would go to the typing pool and be put on a spike and then the typing clerk would put it into the green screen terminal and then um, that would be exported as a CSV file and then stored on an archaic version of SharePoint and archived forever. And the number of things that can go wrong, this is a safety compliance check that is manual, then data entry, then stored in an inaccessible way. I mean, so it, if you think it just... I'm going to be on that plane yeah. someday, you know. So, so we um, we we created an app very simply, um, which is a, a a tablet app. This is on a surface, and there's only a range of things you do check. So everything technically is is, drop, is can be done by a drop down, um, with space for notes that you would then type in on the tablet keyboard. So it's all done there and then, with lots less ability to not be able to read writing or highlight the wrong thing. Then you save it locally, so it's stored. As soon as you're in the Wi-Fi zone, it immediately syncs to your internet and it's stored. So you've, you've cut out a whole section where there could be further delays and or mistakes. You've reduced the amount of mistakes that could be made and it's it's stored in a very logical way. Um, and you know, it took us about two weeks to develop and it's safer, it's quicker, it's more efficient, it saves people time, it's better for the end customer, it's better for the, the, the person therein, and it's just one of those little discrete cases that for a, a two-week investment, some cash, you, you, you're going to make everyone's lives better. And So it's not always the big stuff, it's the little stuff as well. Well, um, I've definitely got in my head a part two to this, uh, and we're, we're going to come back and do this again because I wanted to ask you things about uh, where you see some of this stuff going. Uh, I think there's a point you made before, uh, which was almost one of your credos as a right at the beginning of uh, Webshed and, and what became Mando, this idea that actually this experience will become pervasive. The fact we, and I think we're seeing that already. We've yeah. already talked about how our end user devices, how, um, you know, the, the voice interaction, the, the bot interaction, the idea that we shout at Amazon Echo to, um, or Burger King shout at Amazon Echo or whatever it is to, to trigger an advert. Um, yeah. So just one thing it, in next week, We'll be asking our Amazon Echo to make us a coffee and our Internet of Things coffee machine. We'll get it <laughs> based on my profile. Just, just as a little proof that, you know. If, if you ever get the chance to come to Mando's office, by the way, Ian makes a fantastic cup of coffee. So I <laughs> uh, just want to point that out. Oh, well, look, to wrap this up, um, if people want to find out a little bit about um, some of the creative stuff you guys have done here, maybe some examples of what we've talked about, um, and also, if they've got further follow-up questions to so kind of what you've covered today, um, so where can they find out stuff? And what's a good way to stalk yourself and Mando Group online? <laughs> yeah, so so you can follow me on Twitter on Twitter slash Ian Finch or Mando and Twitter slash Mando Agency. There's a LinkedIn profile page, Facebook page um, for, for Mando as well. Um, our website, like like all good cobbler's shoes and plumber's <laughs> taps, it is under construction, but we've, we've got. Um, we, we've got a lot of news and a lot of our white papers are up on the website um, uh, and so it's a good place to start with some good video content as well some of the case studies and we also film our events so we, uh, the filming from our most recent chatbot event uh, which we did here a couple of weeks ago is up on the website as well so um, that, that gives a great intro overview in fact a couple of customers came to that and then asked if they could do their away day here 
Uh, and so for a half day, another customer did a day, and we just came and did a slot, like a half hour rerun of that, just to kind of set the scene and get the creative juices going. So come to the website uh, and um, treat our home like your home uh, if you if you want to come do that. So that's uh, an offer to all customers that can if you want to come use our space and get away from it. And what a very nice space and home that you have. Um, Ian, look, thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it. Appreciate you've got uh, lots of real work to do. Um, but now we're going to settle down for a game of drafts because we've uh, <laughs> we've done this entire interview over a draft board. So, uh, but Ian, thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Thank you. Good to see you again. Hope you enjoyed that episode of Tech Interviews. Uh, for show notes, go over to techstringy.com. You'll find them there. Uh, we also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. Uh, why not check them out? Some great topics from data analytics uh, to data security and compliance through to IT futures. Next week, we're doing a little bit of Back to the Future as we have a look at how thin client technology remains relevant in today's world. So if you want to catch that show, why not subscribe? You can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever else you get your podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening.